Hello and welcome to Doc to Me. My name is Heather. And I'm Kathleen. And this week we are covering Sins of Our Mother. Before we get into that, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook or you can donate to us on PayPal through our email at doctomepod at gmail.com. Feel free to also email us comments or suggestions. I have great customer service skills, so I'll be nice to you through email, but just know we'll talk shit about you amongst ourselves. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Been thinking about starting a Patreon maybe for us? <gasps> That would be fun. Just talk about other things we had been watching, or... We do like to watch some, like, fun <laughs> shit. <laughs> Cover, like, Unsolved Mysteries episodes or something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> just put the extra workload on myself. Let me know if you'd be interested paying us a couple bucks a month to listen to us blab some more. And I also forgot to thank everybody for sticking by while we took our break. I appreciate it. Yes, I was going through a lot, so that was nice to see. Still getting some listens when we got back. Yay. Uh, Let's get into this monster of a woman. It was a rough watch. (laughs) Sins of Our Mother is directed by Sky Boardman, who we are very familiar with on this podcast. (laughs) You might say we're fans. We've covered several of her documentaries. I want to say this is the fourth one she's been involved with. That many? (laughs) Wow. Uh, At first, I didn't want to cover this one because one of the main people featured in this was charged with sexual assault. But once I heard the charges were dropped, I felt it would be okay to go on. I know you were just like, we got to watch it. (laughs) You know, I just, I got to have that, like, something to watch in the background. (laughs) And I've just been really binging Snapped. And I feel like if I watch any more Snapped, my husband might start to worry. Well, you saw my secret background show, Sister Wives. (laughs) Which I fully support. (laughs) Are you falling in love with Cody Brown and that luxurious mane of hair? Uh, Not with him, no. (laughs) (laughs) Just just that life. I want want a couple more hands on deck. (laughs) So, um, let's get into shitting on some fellow podcasters because... I hate that they had a podcast. Did they really? <laughs> I missed that. How did you miss that? Okay. Um, I followed this case hard. I vaguely followed it. You know, I'd read the articles on occasion, but I didn't really look too far into background and stuff like that. It was more oh, of just gosh. as it was happening. I was just, oh. And despite how long this episode is going to be, the case still isn't over. I will have to keep track of the time because we may have to split it up. Heather has a lot to say. It's a lot of notes. And we may eventually have a part two <gasps> to this. I would love that. If we could have a follow-up. There, Yeah, the case is still ongoing. And yet again, we will be discussing the LDS church a little bit. Because the fucking Mormons won't stop committing headline-grabbing crimes. They do as they do. Lori Vallow was born Lori Noreen Cox on June 22nd, 1973 in San Bernardino, California. And she definitely has that California girl vibe. Yeah, I noticed that too. Just Um, a gorgeous blonde. Her parents... I just have a stroke. (laughs) Her parents were... The wine. Her parents were Barry and Janice, and she had two older brothers named Adam and Alex, and a younger sister named Summer. Summer Cox is a rough name to have in high school. (laughs) That's a porn star's name. (laughs) And Lori loves to get married. 
<laughs> I don't get it. Don't get me wrong. I, I love Andrew, but we figured I'm not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. Let's just go to the courthouse, get married. We can get a tax break. Like we talked about with you, we literally went to work that day and yeah. took half a day off yeah, to go it get was, married. It was look at just a bit of an afterthought. Like, yeah. oh, we might as well. It was just about the paper. <laughs> so she gets married right out of high school in 1992, and her last marriage is in 2019. So five marriages in less than 30 years. Love who you love, but maybe have some higher standards. Slow it down. Just <laughs> date for a while. So her first marriage obviously ends fairly quickly when you get married at like 19. Because don't get married at 19. At 22, she marries 23-year-old William Lagiolia. L-A-G-I-O-I-A. <laughs> obviously, it didn't work Lagiolia. out because of the last name. In Travis County, Texas. Yeehaw! On October 22nd, 1995. And the next year, they have a son together named Colby, who is featured in this heavily. It is not a happy marriage and can't be saved by having a child. So they divorced February 25th, 1998. She next moved on to Joseph Anthony Ryan Jr. or Joe Ryan, who she married in 2001. September 24th, 2002, they welcome a daughter together named Tylee. After Tylee is born, she competes in pageants and is a contestant on Wheel of Fortune. Not sure the time frame of when she started overplucking those eyebrows. <laughs> Probably like the early 2000s. They were thinner than John Waters' mustache. So yeah. It was the style. <laughs> yeah. We're all recovering from it. <laughs> this marriage also ends. Colby talks about how Joe physically and sexually abused him. And Lori's sister-in-law brings up that Lori was also physically abused by him. And yet Joe was the one that filed for divorce in August 2004. And it was finalized May 2005. They play some audio of Lori talking about how she wanted to kill Joe because she felt she had nothing left to lose. Which Except is, for the kids. Yeah, strange thing to say when you have two kids at this point. They're usually the reason you live. Yeah. This is when Lori recruits her brother Alex. I fucking hate that he did stand-up. Didn't they show a clip of it? Yes. <laughs> which was a terrible idea. But it's fine because he was an oddball. Mm. Well, it's a fucking understatement. We'll get to that. Lori quickly jumps into another relationship, and on February 24th, 2006, she marries Leland Anthony Vallow, commonly known as Charlie, Charles Vallow. No idea where the name Charles comes from, because I don't know if you noticed. It's not anywhere in his name. <laughs> <laughs> he was a lifelong Catholic who converted to LDS for his wife and had two sons from a previous marriage. So it kind of seemed like a pretty happy family with the four kids. But that won't be all because in 2013, they adopt Charles's grandnephew, Joshua Jackson, or J.J. Vallow. Just really adding to those Mormon numbers. Lori had grown up in the LDS church, but at a certain point, she really jumped into the church and religion. In December 2004, the family picks up and moves to Hawaii, which I did not realize had a large number of Mormon population. I didn't either. 3% seems really high for a place where the population would have been about like 1.3 million at the time. Wow. And again, because you shouldn't marry someone you barely know so quickly, the marriage starts to crack. Lori feels Charles just isn't as spiritual as her. 
She's so far into the religion that she's having visual and auditory hallucinations. Mm, that's usually when you see a doctor. Charles, get out. Like, as soon as you hear that. In 2016, they moved to Chandler, Arizona, which... How do you go from Hawaii? Yeah, like, that's, that's a downgrade. To Chandler, Arizona. At this point, Colby is out doing his own thing. He was in a relationship with a woman who his mom hated... Because she was part of a different religion. Okay. <laughs> Guess I'm a heathen. Lori has Moroni chatting her up, and then her son has the gall to marry a boring old harlot Christian. Jesus loves you, but not as much as me. That's literally what she told that woman. Don't understand it. So it's safe to say at this point, Lori has gone off the rails as far as her mental health. And days are coming and she is going full-blown survivor mode and starts stocking up for the end times and talking about how they'd be better off just driving off of a cliff. Which, <laughs> it's a little dramatic. And she's dragging her brother Alex into this shit too. Like, it's, I, I don't know his issues where he was just like, yep, sounds good. He's real supportive. Oh, my he's very supportive. My brother wouldn't. I don't think I can even get my brother to leave the house for me. Lori starts a podcast with her friend Melanie Gibb called Feel the Fire. Should we start doing our podcasts like this? Is this how we become closer to our Lord Jesus Christ? The closer the mic, the closer to God. Let's feel that heavenly fire. <laughs> Wait, that, that doesn't was how sound they hev- talked. That was how they talked. That doesn't sound heavenly at all. I thought heaven was like happy and angels and hell was the fire. Feel the fire is what they called it. So, uh, yeah. I'm Field no, under fire. No expert, but is heaven supposed to have fire? <laughs> I don't think so. Lost on that. Is this the good place? Have we been <laughs> duped? So, yeah, she's part of this weird LDS podcast group. Around 2015 is when she learns about Chad Daybell, when she reads his Standing in Holy, Holy Places series of books and becomes fucking obsessed. Were they self-published? <laughs> I guess. I think he started a publishing company. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like that extra step to self-publish. In 2018, Lori and Melanie Gibb attend a preparing a people event. Not the people, a people. Is that a funeral? I don't know. Lori finally Preparing a people? I think a people as in like a group, which would be the Mormons. I don't know. Preparing a people. I don't know. This event is where Lori finally meets Chad. And it's so funny. Did she fangirl? It's so funny when you see this guy because you just stare and you go, that guy? <laughs> All this shit went down because of him? I, I I think the best way to describe him is like a terrible chubby detective. That's just what I thought of. Um, when you hear about the shootings and there's like the cop on that's supposed to be on guard there and then he ends up running away. Oh, he's a rent-a-cop. That's what he looks like. Not handsome. Yeah. (laughs) Just not a hunk. I'm not doing shit to get this guy's affection. They're first meeting together and Chad lets Lori know that they've been married to each other in seven previous lifetimes. (sighs) Let's just take a break. deep. And go change our pants because (laughs) hubba hubba splash. I just don't get the appeal when you look at him. Seven previous lifetimes. (laughs) 
So Chad Guy Daybell was born August 11th, 1968 in Provo, Utah. Of course he was. (laughs) No, he doesn't scream like New York City. He looks like a Mormon. (laughs) In typical LDS fashion, he married young on March 9th, 1992. Was it Tamara or Tamara? Tamara, Tammy, Douglas. I think it was Tamara. I can never remember. Tamara Tammy Douglas in Manti, Utah. He graduated from, want to take a guess? Brigham Young. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in 1992 with a BA in journalism and had many jobs, including a grave digger. Kind of jealous. <laughs> That's spooky. He needed that experience for later, but I'm getting ahead of myself. In- Do you really need experience with <laughs> that? Oh my God. It just comes natural. Speaking of which, watch the best snapped the other day. <laughs> Gotta talk about it later. I feel like you say that every week. Let's just say that the person that was calling 911 was like, she's chasing me and she has a body in a trash can. <laughs> oh, yeah. There was a that was there was an episode of Buried in the Backyard that covered that. Yeah. He, she was just digging him up and like throwing yeah. the body parts. Dude. <laughs> best snapped. <laughs> In 2004, he founded Spring Creek Book Company, which... Spring Creek Barbecue? I know, I wish. Which he used, of course, to self-publish his end times fiction and other religious books. He and Tammy had five children together, and in 2015, Chad claimed he heard a voice telling him to relocate to the super hip and happening Rexburg, Idaho. Because the wor- when the world ends, Rexburg would still be around. In Idaho. (laughs) He claims because of a near-death experience, he can see into the future and Jesus won't be the one who comes back and leads everyone to the new Jerusalem or whatever. It'll be Chad. Like, what an absolute pain in the ass. But can we talk about how much I hate the name Chad? Chad Guy. Because you know it's not pronounced the way it's supposed to be, which is Gee. Just Chad Guy. Like, that's... Chad Guy. That's just a douche name. Oh, Chad Sorry, Chad douche. guys out there, but <laughs> I mean, if you're you just you probably accepted that like Chad is a douchey name. <laughs> I'm sure, you go by your middle name. <laughs> so yeah, once Chad and Lori meet at the preparing a people event, they take that shit to private communications. Oh yeah, feel the fire with special guest Chad Daybell. Sorry, that was too exciting. <laughs> Feel the Don't fire. they know they're sinning? <laughs> Feel the fire with special guest, our Lord and Savior, Chad Daybell. That's too please, sultry. Please don't commit a crime, because I do not want our po- podcast like featured on a Dateline episode. No promises. I know we want to up our numbers. That's not the way to do it. Hey, man. <laughs> go big or home. Go home. <laughs> go big or home. Lori then begins telling people that her husband Charles is dead and there's a demon living inside of him, which is like rock and roll, dude. I think I read a no sleep about that. (laughs) And now she's just waiting for that demon to die. She starts telling everyone that he's cheating on her and he tries to defend himself, but like just ends up looking crazy. Isn't she cheating because she's sleeping with the demon? Is she sleeping with him? That's a good question. I don't know when it happened, but... They show, like, the emails, and when he's trying to defend himself, it just makes him sound crazy because he's trying to explain, like, all the stuff she's doing, and all the stuff she's doing is insane. All you have to say is, she thinks I'm a demon. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, bam, 
instantly he's the sane one so january 30th 2019 charles has to attend a business trip in houston and while he's there Lori cancels his return flight and has her brother alex take charles truck from the airport parking lot which like, like isn't that stealing that right there the hassle of having to deal with that shit i'd be done i'd be like just take everything i'm done with you yeah fuck this to make another flight and then getting back home and your truck's not there oh great (laughs) now i'm taking a fucking uber do you know how much an uber from the airport costs do you know how many people i'm having to talk to to get this fixed no worse we both talked about like having to call a doctor's appointment you're done the rest of the day Oh, like, <laughs> I would have been looking for a way to like, but dude, I spent an hour at McDonald's because I was waiting for them to bring the food yeah, out. Yeah, I didn't want to go in. <laughs> like, and confront them. Exactly. And then at some point you're just like, how long is too long <laughs> that I just look pathetic? <laughs> and then I just wait longer because. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. They haven't seen my car. It's on me. So yeah, and once Charles makes it back home, it would be even worse because all his shit is gone. She emptied their bank accounts and the house. That is fucking against the wall. Like, you can't do that shit. So he fucking calls the cops. They show the police footage from when they went to Charles, and he sounds fucking insane trying to explain this all to him. I can't get in contact with my kids, and my wife thinks she's a god, and she wants to kill me. Like... You sound insane. I was just like, I just need help. (laughs) So the cops can't do anything because she's not home and she has every right as a parent to take the kids. Right, she's not committing a crime. So Charles has to basically stalk his own family and show up at JJ's school the next morning so he can intercept Lori. He takes her keys and purse and calls the cops and she just pulls out an extra set of keys and drives off before the cops show up which is so weird like why do you have both sets of keys on you in the car that doesn't make sense the spare key is for in case of emergency you usually like leave it with someone or have it tucked away in a secret place we don't have it in the car no (laughs) it's pointless later that day Lori, tiley and her podcast pal melanie gibb shows up the gilbert police station to give a statement Gorgeous blonde with her daughter in tow, so she's a good mom. And she caught her husband cheating, so she got rid of his stuff, and obviously he would be angry, so she took her kids and stayed the night at a hotel. (laughs) Of course, the cops are just, oh, like, that totally makes sense. And just to prove how irrational he is, he showed up at the kid's school and stole her purse. And she's just so bubbly and giggling and... The only thing she's mad about is her lip gloss was in that purse. She really liked that shade. She's fucking insane. She's a monster. She stole his cars, his clothes, fucking everything. And they just want to get her purse back. So if we get him to bring the purse here, are we done? Is everything good? So Charles wants her committed. And these cops are just these fucking idiots falling for her and give her a heads up that... Hey, this other department may come knocking on your door to have you committed. Just don't answer the door and tell them you don't want to go. Which was such a fucked up, like, and then her whole, like, ha ha, like, is it a nice place? Because I can yeah. use some sleep. Shut up, bitch. That's some shit I would say. <laughs> like, they're just fucking joking around with her when she stole all his shit. I, I don't understand that. And ran off with the kids. 
So, yeah, this marriage breaks up. He files for divorce and for an order of protection because, again, she has threatened to kill him. She thinks he's a demon. A month later, he withdraws his petition because his whole thing is protecting those kids, especially JJ, because he had special needs. and He was autistic, right? Mm. I think so. So he wouldn't have gotten custody of Tylee because she wasn't his, but he really wanted stability for JJ. He wanted this marriage to work because, I mean, of course, you want to protect right. your kids. Well, yeah, when you have a small child, you want to do what's best. Even though he knows she's been having an affair with Chad based on emails. Charles had been talking to Lori's brother, Adam, about the whole thing because Adam is the only one in her family who seems to be on his side and kind of knows that his sister is crazy. He lets Adam know that, hey, I'm going to contact Chad's wife, Tammy, to let her know about this affair going on. And once that happens, Adam is like, okay, I'm going to get my family together and let them know all this shit's going on so they can see how crazy Lori is. And before that can happen, on July 11th, 2019, Alex suspiciously kills Charles in self-defense, which that was a great way to end this first episode. Yes. <laughs> it's insane how much shit is covered and discussed in the first episode. It is crazy how easily they got away with so much shit. Yeah. So episode two goes right into the death of Charles. Listening to the 911 call is a little creepy considering how chill Alex is being. Yeah. You expect, you you imagine like if you hurt or killed someone that you would be hysterical well and usually if they're really calm you can tell it's because they're in shock and you do not get that vibe at all from this call he is just like okay killed a guy now it's time to call 911 what's the next step after that so i couldn't figure out like whose house this even happened at because it's not very clear and i didn't find anything until page two of a google result I thought that he said in the phone call that it was his sister. It was her house. And it ended up being. He went to pick up the kid. Yeah, it ended up being a house that she was renting. Okay. Because I was like, okay, well, if it was her house, wouldn't it also be Charles's house? Because she said in the in the videos and everything, she was saying, we just moved here. I don't even know the neighbors yet or whatever. And she was like laughing about how the police were there. And haha this is already happening just because i didn't know know like when they moved from chandler and when that would have been this house and and it was also like okay but if this is all charles's property it was the whole castle doctrine law because i was like how does that work if it's your house and somebody comes over and then shoots you in self-defense yeah how does that work like this that was where my brain was wait what whose house is this yeah but i think it was her house it was one she was renting yeah Yeah. and then he was staying with her to protect yeah, her doesn't yeah. matter i was just like wait what uh anyway so what i've gathered from this in articles and there are many i will link to in the show notes charles came into the town for that intervention with her family and all that and came over to this house to pick up jj to take him to school somehow Lori ended up with this phone like he went to take jj to the car and left his phone and she grabbed it and which is have your shit a- unlock i don't understand that yeah like <laughs> She, yeah, her, yeah, her statement to the police was he left the house to take him to the car. And then, of course, Charles is upset that Lori has his phone because she can read texts between Charles and Adam, her other brother. And so she was running through the house, not giving him back his phone, which is illegal. (laughs) Stealing someone else's property. 
So Lori and Charles get into a screaming match over the phone. Tylee wakes up, hears the fighting, and brings a baseball bat from out of her room to try and get Charles to back off. Like, she's not swinging or anything. She's just kind of just pointing it at him, telling him to calm down. Charles grabs the bat, and Tylee leaves the house to sit out in the car to wait with JJ. Alex and Charles get into some type of scuffle on the ground, and Charles supposedly hit Alex in the head with the bat. Which seems fair since according to Tylee's report, she thinks she saw Alex grab Charles from behind. Which I would think hitting someone with a bat who's grabbing you is self-defense. Yeah, but I, I would probably do the same. Double-double self-defense, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so we don't know for sure, though, if the wound Alex received to the back of his head is actually from the bat. Or maybe when they fell to the ground when they were yeah, fighting. Yeah, he could have just like, bumped his head. Because where it is, I don't know how... He would have been hit with the bat there. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. No. Uh, keep in mind that Colby's wife states in this that Alex has never stayed the night before at Lori's house. And he just happened to pick this time to do it. So apparently Alex goes to his room he's staying in to grab his gun. He's so worried about his sister. He just leaves her with this big angry guy holding a bat who he's been told has been abusive to his sister. He just conveniently stayed with her and brought his gun. And left his sister <laughs> to go get the gun. I don't know. So he comes back with the gun and shoots Charles, quote, a couple of times. Tylee says she heard two shots from the car and then sees her mother exit the house. So she was in there. Uh, this documentary, a guy comments on how Lori was smiling while being interviewed by cops and doesn't even ask if Charles is okay. No, she was totally suspicious during the whole thing. Like, first of all, she left the scene. Yeah, she fucking knows the answer. She was in there when he was shot. She knows he's not okay. <laughs> uh, so after the shooting, Lori gets into the car and takes the kids to Burger King. She took his car, though. Did she? Yeah, she took his rental car. Jesus Christ. Uh, they take she takes the kids to Burger King and then drops JJ off at school and then based on the security camera footage from the Burger King and the 911 call they figured out that Alex waited over 40 minutes after the shooting to call 911 yeah it was, it was a yeah. big emergency uh, Tylee said she heard two gunshots but we'll learn later that Charles had been shot four times and one of those shots was received when Charles was already on the ground feel like once is probably enough for self-defense like you don't have to keep firing my speculation was do you think alex waited so long to call 911 because he wanted to make sure charles was dead first oh absolutely and then when he wasn't dying fast enough he shot him again a thousand percent yeah no he was there absolutely with the intent of getting him killed also another fucked up thing uh, when Lori left the house she forgot her purse so she had tylee go back in and grab it yeah her teenage daughter you know your husband has been shot. Yeah, just like close and you your send eyes. Your kid in. And, you know, go pick up. And not to mention, she was fuck? already in there when he was shot. Like, yes. fucking, who cares? Just go get your fucking purse. <laughs> like, stupid. What the fuck? Lori's mom says that Tylee wouldn't lie to the police to help her mom because she's a teenager, which is such bullshit since we learned later that Lori's pretty good at manipulating grown ass adults you think she can't do that to her own daughter yeah i have a teenager her mom is very naive about things yeah <laughs> like, oh, you, you poor. she just doesn't want to think all of the bad things yeah i get you don't want to believe your child could do harm but this is just the first body in this whole saga i mean as far as we know <laughs> 
despite the stories not adding up, Alex waiting over 40 minutes to call 911 and not trying to perform any life-saving measurements for Charles. After just one interview, they release Alex and just chalk it up as a case of self-defense. Which is so (laughs) mind-blowing. The woman left the scene. He waited 40 minutes. (laughs) Colby finds out about the death when Lori calls and says that Charles had a heart attack. (laughs) Which is like, what? He goes over to the house to get more information and finds out that, no, Charles was shot. She doesn't even, like, try to stick with the heart attack story. He just goes over and goes, what happened? And she just, right away, oh, Alex shot Charles. (laughs) Yeah. Which is like, why the fuck would she say a heart attack in the first place? (laughs) They're gonna find out. And then she fucking texts Charles' kids the day after to let them know that their dad is dead. No explanation. Just your dad passed away. And then wait hours to respond back to them and just says she's waiting to hear back from the medical examiner. You were there. You know how he fucking died, you crazy bitch. Do you think it might have been the four bullets that were shot (laughs) to him? And then tells JJ's school that it was a suicide. I don't want to tell somebody how to commit murder, but I think on the list of rules, sticking to a story. It's like number one rule. <laughs> like, a suicide. He shot himself four times. <laughs> it was a suicide. So Charles was killed on July 11th, and on the 15th, Lori tries to file a claim on his life insurance. The problem with that is that she's no longer the beneficiary of his $1 million claim. <laughs> <laughs> what happens when you <laughs> are try and kill your ex-husband <laughs> or soon-to-be ex-husband because they're gonna change that shit like immediately yeah if somebody threatens to kill you you don't keep them <laughs> as yeah like okay i'll go ahead and make it easy and let you get paid to you kill know what? me let me up it <laughs> so Lori is so upset about the death of her fourth husband that they pick up and move to idaho little after a month At this point, Colby distances himself from his family because one, his wife wants nothing to do with his crazy mom, and two, his wife has a baby after a difficult pregnancy, and that takes a lot of your focus. Yeah, you're pretty busy. You don't want to deal with mom's shit anymore. September 24th, Colby texts Tylee to wish her a happy birthday and gets a response back that he says doesn't sound like her. Over the following days, he keeps texting her and keeps receiving weird replies, so he finally calls his mom to confront her about it, and she just says, oh, Tylee's fine. She's in school and trying to move on and live her life. (laughs) He doesn't buy it and finally texts Tylee and basically says, this doesn't sound like you. You need to call me. And the messages stop. Hmm. It's creepy. He and his wife know something is absolutely wrong, so they find Lori's podcast and then start rereading those emails from Charles and basically they piece together that Lori is definitely fucking crazy and that she basically has a hit list for anybody who doesn't agree with her including her own children and then they learn about Chad (laughs) fucking Chad Chad. Chad's whole thing is we need to eliminate 20,000 zombies from this world and we figure out who is a zombie based on this scientific in quotes quotations Scale he created where someone could be anywhere from 6L to 6D. L for light, D for dark, very scientific. <laughs> I wonder why they picked a 6 for like their... Uh, yeah. Not a 5 or 10. Yeah, I feel like you would, you'd have a nice basic uh, 1, 5, 10. You know, it's too many levels. I don't like it. 
And the darker you are, the more your soul has left your body. Therefore, you're a zombie and you must be killed. I must have passed out during that lesson, like in biology class. <laughs> when we all turn into zombies. <laughs> yeah. Not a little thing did. Did you see the list of people? Yes. <laughs> so Charles was on there. Wasn't he like a 5L or a 3L or something? But it also said like 1700s London. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he did worse shit back in a previous life. I, I don't know. Rolling into October on the 2nd, Brandon Boudreaux reports to police that he was shot at by someone in a gray Jeep Cherokee while he was pulling into his driveway. How is this guy connected to Lori? He's recently divorced from her niece, Melanie. Melanie is very involved with her aunt and the weird zombie beliefs. Brandon right away points the finger at his ex-wife's crazy family. They are able to track the Jeep down, and turns out it's registered to Charles Fallow, who is still very much dead. <laughs> They're just, like, using his shit. <laughs> I think like... later they figured out it was Alex, and they never charge him with anything. October 9th, Chad Daybell's wife, Tammy, arrives at her home and is shot at by a man in a ski mask. She's not hit and assumes it was a paintball gun. I... That's all they really let us know. I can't say I've ever been shot at. Octo and why did she assume it was a paintball? Were there paintballs? Like <laughs> was, was it colorful? <laughs> I, I don't know. October 19th, she dies, and it's ruled natural causes. Again, she was shot at on the 9th, and then by the 19th, she's dead. It's a little suspicious. It's not sus at all. November 29th, Alex marries a woman named Zulema Pastenes, and even takes her last name, which I thought was odd. Lori's niece, Melanie, moves on with her life fairly quickly because the day after Alex's wedding, she too gets married to a name to a guy named Ian Pulowski. I don't know why they mentioned his name. They never talk about him again. <laughs> Maybe because he had a really interesting name. I don't know. And you gotta get married because time is running out. Chad, oh, sorry, our new Lord and Savior, says the world is going to end on July 22nd, 2020. Newsflash, it didn't. Yeah, what day is it? October 22nd? 2023? Yeah, October 23rd, 2022. So I guess it didn't happen. Also during November... Wrong Kay... calculations. <laughs> during November, Kay Woodcock is JJ's grandmother, and she's getting worried that she hasn't heard from Lori or JJ in months. So she gets into contact with the police to ask them to perform a welfare, welfare check. She only knows where Lori is living because she goes through Charles' emails and sees a purchase for a ring that was made in October, when he was still very much dead. Using his Amazon account. And was shipped to Lori at an address in Rexburg, Idaho. Well, yeah, you don't want to wait more than two days. You got to use his account. It's still active. Gotta get the prime. Poor little Rexburg. Like, nobody knew this place existed until this case. The cops arrive at the house to check on the seven-year-old boy and to speak to Lori, and instead, Alex answers the door with Chad standing behind him. Alex tells the police that JJ is with his grandma Kay in Louisiana. You know, Kay, the one who made the report. I like how they're like, well, that's not possible because <laughs> she's the one who called us to check. You think he was like, oh. <laughs> Do you want to try that again? <laughs> All right, you got me. They finally get into contact with Lori, who tells them she just wants to be left alone and everyone keeps bothering her. Who? Her family. <laughs> JJ's fine. He's just staying with her friend, Melanie Gibb, in Arizona. 
This is after she goes on like this small rant about how she's a good person who raises her kids. It's like, okay, but where are they? Yeah. <laughs> but it turns out Melanie doesn't have them and is concerned that Lori would lie to the police. Yeah, she's like, why would you get me involved in this? <laughs> like, what the fuck, dude? And she's like, why did you tell him that I had him when I don't have him? <laughs> That's very concerning, Lori. You can understand why I'd be upset. <laughs> yeah. Don't use me as your alibi without consulting me first. But then they did that bullshit of, oh, I think you're becoming a D. It's like, no, I don't believe this. <laughs> is it? Oh, never mind. I was going to say D, D for D demon, and then I was like, oh, wait, it's a zombie. No, it's dark. <laughs> D for dark, L for light. No. Very scientific. I know, but it, I felt like you're becoming a D, like it would have been like you're becoming a Z. I, it doesn't make sense. I don't know. <laughs> The next day, the police get a search warrant for Lori's home, and it's empty. <laughs> Surprise. The timeline gets a little skewed in this, but because they talk about stuff that it, they kind of bounce around a little bit. But on December 11th, police decide to re-examine Tammy Daybell's death. December 12th, Alex Cox dies in Gilbert, Arizona. December 20th, not only is JJ officially declared missing, but also Tylee. And this is when we all got invested in the story. And when this story broke, it fucking broke. It was everywhere. It felt like one thing after another with missing kids. Also, there's dead spouses. The dead brother that was also involved with the death of one of the said spouses. And then this weird cult. Yeah, it was a car crash and you couldn't look away. And then it, it was, was just like another car just... would just crash into the pile of cars. And we learned that on November 5th, Lori and Chad got married in Hawaii. Which is interesting because they said they didn't really know each other when they were interviewed, or like when the cops showed yeah. up for the welfare check. They were like, She oh. said it was her brother's friend. I'm like, oh, you mean your husband? <laughs> Couldn't even wait a month until after Tammy's death. <laughs> like, Time is ticking, Heather. Like, the I world remember- is ending. <laughs> I remember we were all super suspicious of Alex dying the day after they decided to exhume Tammy's remains, but it just ended up being natural causes due to blood clots. Lori's mom, or as even, I like to call it, karma. Lori's mom even says that like high blood pressure and blood clots are common in the family, but the timing was very weird. Do you think it was God? <laughs> like. No, I think it was he was taking bad care of his body. Oh. So I think I mean, he had, like, like, drug issues and... But, like, maybe they are right. <laughs> it was the demons. It was the demons. Feel the, fi- feel the fire. <laughs> feel the fire. So it's time to celebrate the new year by having the Rexburg police and the FBI search Chad and Tammy's old home on January 3rd. Don't really know what came of that, and no one knows where Chad and Lori are, which is insane why it took them so long to be found. When she is all over the news. <laughs> January 25th, Chad and Lori are found in Hawaii and she is searched with a court order to produce the children within five days. Why did it take them so long to be found? You would think she'd be like, but I mean, it's kind of like that, that unsolved mysteries that we were watching that like. Yeah, but I feel like that wasn't nationwide news. You know what? You're right. Maybe because she looks like every California <laughs> blonde. I don't know. January 30th comes around and she doesn't show up with the kids. Shocker. So they wait until the 20th of February to arrest and charge her with two felony counts of desertion and non-support of dependent children. Why did it take them so long? I never understood that. 
I kind of feel like they drop the ball on this, but there's also several cases of parents who claim that their child is with some mysterious person or whatever. They are not in prison. But like, what but it's just say? because they haven't found a body. It just doesn't... You have five days to return your kids, but we'll actually wait even longer than that to even do anything about it. Right. It's just like, how lax are you going to be? Either it's serious or it's not. And we end episode two with Lori's mugshot. Oh, how happy we all were to see that. Right into episode three, the photos from Chad and Lori's wedding are discovered. And it turns out Lori's wedding ring was the same one ordered on Charles' Amazon account. I guess, like, the more marriages you've gone through, like, the less flashy you need your ring to be. <laughs> but, uh-oh, it was ordered before Tammy died. <gasps> it's amazing how dumb these people are. And it's just so gross how happy they are in their wedding photos when her fucking kids are missing. And his wife is dead. Well, he's got a new wife. That's fine. Anyway, Lori is extradited back to Idaho. I don't know why I almost said Ohio. <laughs> Close enough. They're both basic boring places. No, you're thinking of Iowa. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and her- it's a trifecta. <laughs> Idaho's on the complete other side. They're all basic boring. <laughs> They're all basic bitch. <laughs> Ohio at least has like, you know, cross over the border to go to Canada. On a boat, but still. Okay, but if your only upside is that you can get you into another country. <laughs> like, but it's Canada. I know. And her bail is initially set at $5 million, but it's later lowered to $1 million, which really doesn't matter because no bail bond companies are willing to help her. <laughs> For good reason. <laughs> Love that tidbit. Uh, I remember seeing those photos from her court appearance. It it looks like she just doesn't have a care in the world. And that awful makeup looks like a goddamn Halloween clown. <laughs> Colby is sitting there in the courtroom just trying to get her attention. But she's just so focused on looking Chad. She even looking at Chad. She even like walks by him. Doesn't even acknowledge him at all. And Lori's mom and sister go on national TV to defend Lori. Which I don't get. Not the best move. She told you her kids are safe, but she doesn't even trust you to tell them where they are. And you just believe her? Yeah, you're just like, oh, she would never hurt those kids. Mm, Well, where the fuck are they then? (laughs) The police find a photo in Lori's iCloud account of Tylee, JJ, and Alex on September 8th, 2019 at Yellowstone National Park, and that is the last known sighting of Tylee. The last sighting of JJ was at school on either September 22nd or 23rd. I've heard both. I don't know. So they know Alex was with them on the 8th, and they had access to his phone, so they check his location history. On the 9th of September, they have him pinged at Chad's house in his backyard for over two hours. And it's not like our backyards. This house set on four acres. Yeah, it's like a... Like a farm backyard. They also have Tammy's phone and see she received a text from Chad 14 minutes after Alex left. Quote, well, I've had an interesting morning. I felt I should burn all of the limb debris by the fire pit before it got too soaked by the coming storms. While I did so, I spotted a big raccoon along the fence. I hurried and got my gun and he was still walking along. I got close enough that one shot did the trick. He is now in our pet cemetery. Fun times. It gives you goosebumps. Because one, raccoons are nocturnal. (laughs) It had rabies. Fun times. Also, like, why are you burying random animals in your 
pet cemetery? Yeah, if you're already burning stuff, just throw the raccoon in there. June 9th, 2020, police get a search warrant for Chad's property and find two said sets of human remains. He knew as soon as they showed up to search outside, they would find the bodies because he calls Lori to say what's going on. And when she asks if she can call him later, he just says, I don't know. And then as soon I don't, as... Do I get a phone call in prison? And then as soon as he... Because I guess he could maybe see where they were at. And as soon as they discovered the first body, he tries to flee in his vehicle. The place is surrounded by cops. Like, bro, you're not... Just give it up. Everyone has devoted these kids and know exactly what you look like. Like, where are you going to try and hide? He's caught less than two miles away and arrested. I remember when they found the bodies because I had a co-worker who was just as interested as I was in the case. And as soon as I heard, I ran over to tell him they found the kids and he knew instantly what I was talking about. Oh, it was huge. Like everybody <laughs> was talking about it. And Chad wasn't joking about the pet cemetery thing either because that's exactly where Tylee was buried. Just, uh, well, they didn't disgusting. have... Never mind. <laughs> It's disgusting. Like, I, 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 shouldn't. <laughs> I really shouldn't. And then to not have the decency to at least bury them together because JG was found further out on the property. I, I don't know why that really bothered me because Tylee was like a mother figure to JJ. And then to not only murder these innocent children, but to bury them apart from each other just makes that worse to me. And in your pet cemetery. Like yeah. You couldn't even like fucking monsters. The recording of Colby confronting Lori after the kids was found was really heartbreaking. She just does not care. She tries to say the right things, but you can tell she don't fucking care. Like, it's just... No, she was too obsessed with her man. She just sounds kind of annoyed. We don't know exactly what happened, but we do know Tylee was dismembered and partially burned, and JJ was wrapped in black plastic bags and duct tape. I don't know what to say after that. It's just sick yeah yeah it just makes you angry the police also find a photo of jj that was taken by Lori on september 22nd where he's wearing the same red pajamas he would be later found in which is so sick that she's taken these photos either the day of or the day before these kids are murdered because there's that picture of tylee at yellowstone it's like are these her trophies or like final memories before it's just so weird. So that's kind of where we are at right now with the case. Still don't know the autopsy reports for JJ, Tylee, or Tammy Daybell. Lori was found competent to stand trial in April of last year. Or was it this year? Last year. It must have been last year. Last Everything's year. been moving so slow yeah. because of COVID. So what I could find is that they are both charged with conspiracy to commit first-degree murder and grand theft by deception for the death of Tylee. First-degree murder for the death of Tylee, conspiracy to commit first-degree murder and grand theft by deception for the death of JJ, first-degree murder for JJ, and conspiracy to commit first-degree murder and the death of Tammy Daybell. Prosecution is seeking the death penalty and for them to be tried together. And they are also facing separate charges for Chad, first-degree murder and the death of Tammy, insurance fraud for the insurance policy he had on Tammy, and another count of insurance fraud. I'm not sure what. Maybe two separate policies. Lori's additional charges are grand theft related to Social Security survivor benefits for the care of Tylee and JJ, because of course she was still cashing those checks. Oh my god. And in Arizona, she's facing a charge of conspiracy to 
commit first-degree murder related to the death of husband four, Charles Vallow. If Alex were still alive, he would probably be right there next to them facing the same charges. So I guess this is where we sit until the trial next year. Because we really don't know what all happened, like how much Alex was involved with any of it. Um, I thought it was an absolutely great documentary series. Like it just got it was really well done, right to the and, facts. Yeah, kept it short at less than three hours. Uh, the only thing they didn't bring up is the incident with Lori's third husband, Joe Ryan, and Alex. They got divorced in two thousand and five, and then in two thousand and seven, Alex attacked Joe with the taser and threatened to murder him. That's <laughs> guys have been separated for years. Like pretty dark. What brought that on? He was sentenced to ninety days in jail. And five years probation. 90 days. (laughs) Just another example of how Alex will do anything for his sister. And also the storage locker that they found after the kids disappeared that was just filled with the kids' stuff. And there was footage of Alex helping Lori fill it. (laughs) So we will never know how much he really knew. Anyway, uh, I really enjoyed this. We will be back next week with the Barney documentary. I love you. You You hate hate me. me. (laughs) Should be interesting. I can tell you I've already watched it and I I enjoyed it. (laughs) So uh, Plus it has Steve. (laughs) Thank you for listening and make sure you vote. Yes, fucking vote. I know early voting has already started in Texas this week, and we're shitty states, so I'm all, I'm, other states have already started. <laughs> Make sure you vote. Get out there and vote. Vote for the uteruses and the deuteruses. <laughs> but mostly the uteruses. <laughs> well, really everybody who's not just cis white male. <laughs> all right, thank you. Bye. Bye. Feel the fire. <laughs> that is hell, my friend. <laughs> okay, bye. Thank you for listening to Talk to Me. The opening music is by Twisterium. For comments or suggestions, we can be reached by email at talktomepod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at talktomepod and find a link to our Facebook group in the show notes. Thank you.